Hey, Cross Trainers, Donny P here. Um, another session for you. It's Sunday the 12th of June here in Australia where I am. I'm assuming that, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, probably late Saturday evening where you are or maybe it's uh, also Sunday if you're here in Australia. But um, anyway, I thought in this session... I'd come to you and I was asking myself, well, what's the most value that I could possibly add? And, well, the obvious answer to that is speaking the word of God. So, as mentioned in the original episode, if I'm coming at you with my theory or any um, humanistic sort of agenda, then it's a waste of time, uh, what I'm doing here, and, and you should turn it off. But... Um, it's not that I'm looking to add value by encouraging you to unpack the word of God. And so, um, had a great day at church today. Um, awesome. It's so real. Uh, the pastor is a former drug addict and former, well, prisoner. And he, he knows what it's like to be um, well, spiritually in prison as well as physically in prison because, you know, former criminal, drug addict, etc. Um, but he's a new creature in Christ and he's on fire for God. And I, I just really love the guy's heart. He keeps it real and his wife is really straight down the middle too. Really great lady of God. And uh, she gave the sermon today and part of what she was saying was that, um, well, there's a story in scripture about how Jesus um, came into Jerusalem riding on a on a donkey and everyone was shouting out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they were all throwing their uh, cloaks on the road and palm branches and stuff like that. And, um, you know, he was coming riding on a donkey and her point from the sermon was that uh, we should focus on the messenger uh, well, the the one who actually bought the message rather than the vehicle that the uh, person chose to uh, to enter the city or or to become prominent, you know. So, in other words, uh, don't focus on on the donkey. Focus on the one riding the the donkey. And so, the reason I mention that is because it's easy for us in Christian circles or believing circles to think, oh, wow, you know, I've got all this knowledge and aren't I great and all of that. Well, uh, just in, in uh, <laughs> you know, from this perspective of Christ, well, uh, not that he puts us down or anything, but we're just the donkey. We're, we're the vehicle that the uh, Messiah rides on to, to get to wherever he, he needs to be in a metaphoric sense. So, he doesn't need us. We we need him. And in the story of, of the donkey, the donkey was um, well, basically doing nothing, just sort of hanging around. It was tied up somewhere up until Jesus told the disciples where the donkey was and uh, told them to go and get the donkey untied and, um, you know, basically put it to work to bring him, uh, well, to bring to him and then to bring him into the city. So uh, also the the uh, meaning of that is, well, before Jesus came along, we were sort of doing nothing. And now that he is here, uh, we're with him and we've got a purpose. So I, I thought that was pretty profound and hopefully that resonates with you. But um, getting back to adding value, 
by speaking the word of God. Uh, Romans one sixteen says, I'm, I'm reading from the uh, Amplified, by the way. It's my favorite uh, version. Um, I do really like the uh, New King James and the NIV, but I, I just tend to get a lot out of the uh, am- Amplified version. So it really is my favorite because I feel that it unpacks um, everything and gets right into the true meaning of scripture. So here's Romans 1.16. Uh, this is Paul. He's saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel or the good news of Christ, for it is God's power working under salvation for deliverance from eternal death to everyone who believes with a personal trust and confident surrender and uh, reliance to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So, yeah, basically the reason I mentioned that scripture is because uh, the, the, the gospel and in fact all scripture contains the power of God unto salvation. So uh, the, the best thing that we could possibly do for anyone is direct them to the word of God because it's, it's a powerful thing. It's um, literally from the word of, well, from the mouth of God and God's word will not return to him void, as it says in another part of scripture. So um, God's word is extremely powerful when you think about it. When you read the um, creation um, account in Genesis, everything that was created came directly out of the word of God, or the, the, the mouth of God, should I say. And uh, the word of God is actually the creative power of the universe. So... There is no greater power than the Word of God. Um, so yeah, I, I just thought I'd mention that. But um, I thought I'd get into uh, Isaiah fifty-three, and I'm if you can hear me, I'm just sort of turning over to that. Call me old-fashioned, but I'm I'm actually here in my office. I'm holding my <laughs> my mobile in in one hand, which has the Bible on computer on it. But I really like going the the manual road, so to speak, with scripture. I, I really like just picking up the physical Bible and thumbing through it and underlining it and, and whatever, you know, making myself little notes and, and stuff like that. So um, I, I do engage a lot with the Bible on computer or in, in this case on a mobile device. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of looking at my uh, hard copy version here and thumbing through it. So in terms of why I thought I'd cover off Isaiah 53, a uh, couple of reasons. It basically unpacks the love and grace of God. That's one aspect. Um, it uncovers the servant heart of God. That's another uh, focus in, in the chapter. And um, thirdly, it, it reveals a central part of the mission of God and why Jesus came to earth in, in the first place. So, what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm actually just going to read it out and uh, we'll unpack it as as we go. So Isaiah 53 verse 1, it says, it, as mentioned, this is the amplified version, but here, here we go. It says, verse 1, Who has believed, trusted in, relied on, and clung to our message of that which was revealed? Um, so... Right there, that's a good uh, rhetorical question. Um, it's actually saying, well, who's, who's going to believe this? Who, who will actually open their minds to the point where they will be open and uh, receptive uh, as to what 
is coming later in, in the rest of this chapter? And, and that's a really good question to ask because what's contained in this chapter is unfortunately misunderstood a lot and um, ignored, glossed over, what have you, as is most other aspects of, of the word. And, you know, I'm not pointing fingers or anything because I've got four coming back at me, but I'm thinking a lot of... Um, well, the uh, Jewish faith, for instance, like this particular chapter is entirely banned. Um, like, you will never hear Isaiah 53 quoted in a synagogue. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not Jewish and I don't really know anyone personally that is Jewish, but um, it, it's just very interesting that the, uh, well, one of the main chapters about who the Messiah is um, they are prohibited from reading it in, in their faith, hence why they're in maybe some of the pickle that they're in. But again, that's another story. So, uh, yeah, covering off the rest of verse 1, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been disclosed? Uh, well, when you look at John 12 and Romans ten sixteen. Uh, well, John twelve thirty eight to forty one and Romans ten sixteen. It will show you that the power of God is is referred to, or the arm of of God is is the same thing as the power of God. So they, yeah, that's what it's talking about. So um, you know, to whom has the power of the Lord been disclosed is probably a modern way to put it. Um, and verse two, for the servant of God. And this is interesting because here we go straight into it. Um, it's being unpacked about the servant, um, the the servant that came in, the overall servanthood of the divine Godhead, the Father, Son and Spirit. So verse 2, uh, For the servant of God grew up before him like a tender plant and like a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. Um, that's another interesting thing in itself as well, because uh, when you look at uh, religious pictures of Jesus, uh, they tend to be, you know, this beautiful looking guy and this holy looking dude with a halo over his head and all that stuff. Uh, when in uh, reality, uh, Jesus was nothing special to look at. He wasn't a, uh, you know, a Fabio... <laughs> looking type of guy and he wasn't really ugly either he was just an average sort of a person uh in in his day so this scripture says that he has no form or had no form or comeliness uh meaning there was nothing physically remarkable about him that would stand out um you know so there was no royal or kingly pomp even though jesus was the, the king of the jews and was crucified as such uh, but it says, um, yeah, he had no form or comeliness, no royal or kingly pomp that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. So he was he was just an average guy. And that, that gives people like me a lot of hope because I'm not exactly a Fabio type either. But I mean, I'm loved by God. And so as everyone that's listening to this and, you know, the beauty, if I have any, it may not be on the outside, but it's on, on the inside, just like it is with you. And so God looks on the heart, not on the outside. So, you know, take comfort in that. So verse three, he was despised and rejected and forsaken by men. So 
if you've ever been in that situation where you've been on the outer, maybe you were picked last in whatever team it was when you were in school or not at all, or, you know, maybe people just didn't like you or you were misunderstood or whatever, then you're in good company because the the King of Kings, a.k.a. Jesus, has been there, done that, and got the T-shirt for it, as the saying goes. So he was despised and rejected and forsaken by men, a man of sorrows and pains, and acquainted with grief and sickness. And like one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we did not appreciate his worth or have any esteem for him. So... Yeah, he was really, uh, well, basically society turned their back on him. And as mentioned, he was just an average looking person. Um, not what I would turn up as if I was God, which obviously I'm not. But uh, if it was me, I'd turn up like this uh, superhuman looking amazing specimen of, of humanity. But uh, Jesus uh, had his um, ego uh, in his... Uh, you know, pocket, and he came as a servant, whereas um, what I just said is promoting me, which, you know, is fairly stupid. <laughs> so, you know, uh, he, yeah, he he didn't come promoting himself, big noting himself or, or anything. Um, so he actually had a pretty difficult time when he was here. Um, but as it says, a man of sorrows and pains. Um, so... Anyone that's gone through grief or sickness or, you know, physical pain, um, (coughs) excuse me, uh, Jesus can fully understand you. He's been through it himself. And so, um, as mentioned, it says, the one from whom men hid their eyes, he was despised and we didn't appreciate his worth or have any esteem for him. So verse four, surely not uh, this is absolutely definitely, um, you know, because it says surely, it's not some, oh, maybe or possibly or, or it could have happened, but surely he has borne our griefs, um, sicknesses, weaknesses and di- diseases. Uh, that's what griefs is uh, when you unpack the Hebrew meaning of it and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God. Um, So that's referring to the crucifixion. So, um, you know, he he took on himself in his own body our grief, our sickness, our weakness, our, our diseases, and he literally carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Um, you know, that's what he was here to do. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten and afflicted by God, as if with leprosy. So the standard uh, narrative for those that haven't engaged with Scripture much, and this is not an ego trip, but, you know, if you haven't engaged with Scripture or Jesus for that matter, then you don't really get the gravity of what this is saying. So uh, he literally took all of that stuff away, but you know, to the world or those that are disengaged with scripture. It's just some guy that went to the cross and got crucified, but that, you know, it doesn't really mean anything. It's just a uh, religious story and ho-hum boring and what's on TV, you know, but it's it's so much bigger than that. So, um, yeah, we ignorantly considered him stricken, 
smitten and afflicted by God as if with leprosy. Well, okay. Um, yeah, he, he was afflicted by God as the Lamb of God who came to take the punishment that we deserve. So it says, uh, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquity or sin. The chastisement needed to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with his stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. So I just can't understand how people think that Jesus doesn't heal. He actually died to pay for their healing. Um, it says so here. And, you know, in in the um, the rest of the scripture that I just read above, um, you know, he's, he's taken all of the nasty stuff away. Uh, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our guilt and sins, and the chastisement needed to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. So, you know, this is, this is why he came. And with his stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. So a major part of the mission of God was to come here as a sacrifice of God, as the Lamb of God, lay his life down so that we could be healed. So if anyone's telling you that Jesus doesn't heal today, well, they don't really know who Jesus is because it's it's a vital aspect of his mission. It's 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 a major part of what he came for, um, you know. And he he paid much. He suffered much at the cross um, to provide healing for us. So, if people aren't healed, there's a lot of reasons as to why. And I'm talking about in Christian circles, um, but that's another message. And um, again, it's not me. Uh, trying to condemn or or whatever, or saying that I'm some genius and I've got a corner on stuff that no one else understands. That that's absolutely not true. Um, if you, yeah, this word, the word of God, says that. Well, he he took all of these horrible things on himself in his own body and was wounded for our uh, our healing and. By his stripes we are healed and made whole. So that's the word of God. And so verse 6, And we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Well, how, how true is that? Everyone's got a, a little theory on life and um, everyone wants to do their own thing and follow their own ways. Um, but... Yeah, the word also says that the ways of man lead to death, you know. Um, so only the word of God contains life. And um, yeah, God wants us to, to have life and to, to live life to the, to the full. Um, Third John 2, if you want to look it up. Um, so yeah, we've, in our carnal state, before knowing Jesus and even sometimes after we profess to know Jesus, um, We've all done our own thing, wanted our own way. And, um, you know, usually that is a dead end. And it says, the Lord has made uh, to light, uh, uh, yeah, to light upon him the guilt and sin of us all. So he, he took 
all of our guilt, all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our sickness, all of our disease. Um, he willingly subjected himself to being wounded and have his body literally torn apart by the Roman soldiers, you know, with a cat of nine tails, a whip on it. Um, if you've ever read about the Roman uh, crucifixion and what it does to the body um, and the the cat of nine tails with bone fragments on the end that literally pull your flesh off your body, uh, then it sort of gives some indication of what he went through. And to then say that Jesus doesn't heal now is that's just an absolute lie because he went to the cross and suffered much so that we could be made whole. Uh, so don't ever let anyone tell you that Jesus doesn't heal today because that is not what the Word of God says. And um, when you engage with the Word, uh, whether it's the NIV, the Amplified, or whatever version you particularly like, uh, read this. Uh, read what Isaiah 53 says about why Jesus came and what he did when he was here. Um, you know, healing is a major part of the sacrifice and the mission of Christ. Um, so don't ever let anyone tell you anything different. Um, so verse 7, he was oppressed, yet when he was afflicted, he was submissive and opened not his mouth. Well, how different is that to what we would do? We'd be, you know, shouting and cursing and who knows what, uh, but he wasn't. Uh, he was like a lamb led to the slaughter. And again, uh, you know, John um, John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, uh, said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And um, John knew what Isaiah 53 said. And, um, yeah, there's there's so much um, deep meaning in, in that. Um, you know, Jesus was the Passover Lamb, the sacrificial Lamb, and... He didn't open his mouth, you know, when he was being um, accused and um, abused, but he, he, he just took it because he knew that it was necessary to satisfy the conditions of the law and to set us free. Um, so, um, yeah, like, lambs, like a lamb led to the slaughter and a sheep before the shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth and dumb meaning, you know, unable to speak, but... He could speak, but he, he chose not to. Um, you know, and even with, um, who was it? Yeah, Pilate, uh, at, at the crucifixion, uh, Pilate was saying stuff to Jesus and Pilate was saying things like, well, hey, I've got the power to, to release you and you're silent. What, what, why are you silent? Why are you not defending yourself? And then Pilate said to him something like, oh, are you the king of the Jews? And then... Jesus did actually speak to that and he said, well, yeah, you've answered rightly. Um, you know, but Jesus didn't go on some rant about, hey, I'm, I'm you know, innocent here and uh, you should set me free. He, he could have defended himself verbally and put a case forward, but he chose not to. Um, and the interesting thing is that someone else that was, well, uh, Barabbas took, uh, Barabbas was basically the, the uh, person that got let off, not him. And Bar means son of, and Abbas, uh, well, Abba means father. So I find that quite an interesting play on words, uh, what that guy's name was and what it meant. And um, there were two sons of the father. Um, 
one that was not of God got got uh, a leave pass, and and the real one, the the real son of God, uh, didn't. And so, yeah, that's quite interesting. So, um, verse eight, uh, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. So, yeah, that's what happened when the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees, uh, you know, did what they did. And as for his generation, who, who among them considered that he, he was cut off uh, out of the land of the living, stricken to his death for the transgression of my people to whom the, the stroke was due? So, yeah, a bit of a play on words from Isaiah there. Um, yeah, he was just saying, well, you know, uh, the, the people really deserve what he got, but he took it in their place. Um, so verse 9, they assigned to him a grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Um, yeah, uh, this again is just showing the character of Jesus. Um, you know, he he could have defended himself. Uh, he, he didn't deserve what he got, but he was silent because... This is why he came to the earth to be sacrificed, um, to set us free. And it's just amazing. It truly is. Um, so, yeah, verse 10. It was, yet it was the will of the Lord to bruise him. Uh, he has put him to grief and made him sick. So this is what God the Father did to the Son because he knew that Jesus uh, had to come and pay the, the penalty for man's uh, sins. And so he was literally the sacrificial lamb um, that, that took all of those things that I previously mentioned on himself so that we wouldn't have to. Um, so uh, the rest of verse 10, it says, When you and he make his life an offering for sin and he is risen from the dead in time to come, he shall see his spiritual offspring, us, he shall prolong his days, and he, meaning us, and he will, uh, oh, and the will and pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Uh, so again, talking about us, um, he shall see the fruit of the travail of his soul and be satisfied uh, by his knowledge of himself, which he uh, possesses and imparts to others. Shall my uncompromisingly righteous one. My servant justify many and make many righteous and upright and in right standing with God, for he has, uh, yeah, for he, he shall bear their iniquities and their guilt, and with the con and uh, yeah the, the consequences of that says the Lord. So yeah, it's 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 just amazing. Uh, Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great kings. This is the Father speaking. Um, yeah, and rulers, and he shall divide the spoil with the mighty because he poured out his life under death and he let himself be regarded as a criminal and be numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore and took away the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors, for the uh, people who were, um, yeah, just caught up in their own carnal way of doing things and wickedness and so forth. So, that's on Isaiah 53, 
um, incredibly profound. But yeah, it, it it really does show the love of God, the grace of God, the servant heart of God. Um, you know, because Jesus is referred to twice as, as a servant, and um, it covers off the central part of uh, a central aspect of the mission of why. Uh, Jesus came in the form of of a man uh, to pay the sacrifice that we should have paid, but he came and suffered and willingly put himself in that position uh, to to have his body ripped to shreds, to be assaulted, uh, abused, uh, ridiculed, uh, mocked. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's just amazing that that he did this for us. Um, each and every one of us, Jesus paid the penalty for us and he went to the cross to provide for us, um, yeah, to, to take what we deserved on himself. And so he's paid for our, uh, our healing. And so, you know, there is nothing that Jesus has paid for uh, that he bought and paid for at the cross, nothing uh, that he's bought and paid for that he is not willing to give us now. And uh, I can tell you right now that he's bought and paid uh, for us to be healed. And it says so in this scripture, uh, in this chapter. Um, So yeah, Jesus is a healer. It's a big part of who he is. Um, It's one of his names, Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals um, in other aspects of of the Old Testament. Um, And everywhere Jesus went, in the New Testament, um, you know, he he didn't say to anyone, "Hey, it's not your time," and oh, I don't know if it's God's will or whatever. He 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 just went and healed people that that were there. Um, so there was no qualifications. Uh, the only time where it looked as though he wouldn't respond was when the Syro-Phoenician woman, who was not a Jew, obviously, uh, came to him and wanted her daughter to be healed. Uh, or her child, I think it was her daughter, I just don't have the scripture in front of me, but, um, you know, Jesus basically said to her, hey, I'm, I've been sent to the Jews, not not to you. And um, he he even, <laughs> you know, called her a, a dog, you know. Uh, yeah, he, he said something like, oh, you know, it's I'm not going to take the, the truth and give it to the dogs. And she said, well, even the dogs eat, eat the crumbs that come from the master's table. And, and he he was just absolutely amazed. And he said, you know, woman, uh, you know, you'll you'll have what, what you ask because of your great faith. And, you know, her, her child was healed from that time. Um, so persistence counts with God as well. Um, you know, this is another thing. Uh, talking about healing, you can't be half-hearted. Like she was just on a mission to see her child healed and, you know, she was not going to give up and just persisted. But, um, again, um, that's getting uh, into another subject. So, yeah, like what I said to you at, at the start of this episode in terms of what can I do to bring value? Well, anything that I've got my five cents worth or my um, opinion on anything is not worth a hill of beans, you know. Uh, but the Word of God is amazing. And um, this podcast is is basically all focused on that, to, to help you get into the Word and to unpack it and engage with it and realize how 
how incredible it really is, um, you know, and how how uh, much benefit you can actually get uh, from engaging with the Word of God. So um, I, I hope this has blessed you. Um, I just realized uh, if uh, the last part of my session here was a bit muffled, I think I was resting my hand on uh, <laughs> on the microphone, which is on my on my shirt, you know, so apologies if it's a bit muffled, but, um, you know, I, I hope you got something out of it. If you want to engage with me um, at all, you can get me at crosstrainersonline at outlook.com. That's crosstrainersonline at outlook.com. So um, be blessed, get stuck into the word, and you'll change your life and your family's life your community's life and your city's life and even your state and country's life. So be blessed. Bye.